1: And welcome to First Strike here on Visa. I'm your host, Dave Ross, here at Circuit Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we get to Singapore for this week, an early start for everybody back here stateside. It's going to be Max Holloway against the Korean Zombie in the main event. I do want to put a bow on what we saw at UFC 292. And oh, my goodness, we saw a changing of the guard in the Bantamweight division and new The Sugar Show it's real at least it was real last Saturday night second out second round knockout of the former champ Alistair uh, uh, Algermain Sterling Rather and in the co-main event Wei Li Zhang absolutely a demolition of Amanda Limos sh- as she wins a unanimous five round decision but you look at Algermaine Sterling now does he get the immediate rematch against the sugar show? will he fight Cheeto Vera? that's the only loss. That Sean O'Malley's had so far in his brief UFC career. We will find out what is next in the bantamweight division. But without further ado, let's bring in Lou Finacaro. You can follow Lou as I do at GAM. the host of the About Business Podcast. Lou, I got to be honest. Look, I thought Aljo might be able to wrestle a little bit. That didn't happen. The timing of the Sugar Show was for real. Whether or not we thought he was maybe earned that title shout, he is now the champ. What was your biggest takeaway from last Saturday night?
2: My biggest takeaway uh, was that uh, I did have the Sterling side I want to I want to disclose. me too. Uh, but my biggest takeaway was disappointment in myself because Sterling was telling. He was vomiting Tell at the stare downs. And O'Malley's cool demeanor uh, made me very, very worried at that point. And he approached it calm, cool, and collected. Uh, he's a viper. He earned everything that he's now uh, going to be projected into. To me, it'll be interesting to see. Does the UFC treat him like they like they treated Usman and and put Sterling right back on him, the toughest test, or uh, do they manipulate this and give him Vera? Uh, still will sell, and it allows them to permeate their superstar another fight longer. In my view. If Sterling asks for the rematch, he should be absolutely granted
1: it. Yeah, we were talking about maybe the, the greatest weight of all time until Saturday night. You would think that'd be enough of a body of work to get that rematch against the Sugar Show. We'll find out what Dana White and company decide to do. Uh, when you get to Singapore for this week, right, we're going to have to get up early, Lou. Set those alarm clocks a little bit earlier for us here stateside. And you do have the return of, of Max Holloway against the Korean Zombie and, again, you look at the number. My goodness. And, again, we were talking about Max at, at one time as the greatest featherweight of all time until Alexander Volkanovsky, and those fights happened. Now he's going to lay 850. Here's the amazing part. You think of Max, and you think he's got to be north of, you know, getting, pushing 40. He's only, I put in air quotes, 31. Well, boy, has he been around the block. And then you look at the Korean Zombie. He is five years, his senior at 36. Does have the reach advantage here. We know it can be wild at times with the Korean Zombie. What do you make of this main event potentially going all five?
2: Uh, Well, I think, uh, honestly, that in their zeal to appeal to that sector of the hemisphere, which is exactly what they're doing, they needed a headliner that was going to catch eyeballs and create hype. And unfortunately, when they put on 44, 45 shows a year, that gets really tough to do. So the zombie fits perfect. Because he has that attraction to that edge of the world and Max ships in. It's perfectly marketable. The zombie was calling for Max, but everywhere you look at it, this is a mismatch. Uh, The zombie is a reputable, honest, great guy that lost the prime of his career because he went to serve in Korea's military. So as a human being, the guy is solid as a rock. But as a fighter, he's 36, he's given a height and size. And surely Max has been in with the elite of the division. And yes, Max once was considered the goat of the featherweights, but without Volkanovski, Max is untouchable still. And I, I believe at 31, he's not ready to step aside for anyone. This is a, a, a fight where I'm going to look elsewhere on the card.
1: Yeah, it is amazing too. And you look at, at the at the height and weight here, and obviously weight's going to be equal here, but the three-inch reach advantage,
2: yet he's four inches
1: shorter We saw that with Al Sterling last week, four inches shorter than the Sugar Show, yet only one-inch discrepancy in the reach. So very interesting body types there, but it does feel like Max has a lot of advantages, so we'll look for other ways to to attack this card. I do want to get to one fight. I'm almost surprised it's not the co-main event. I know it's one that that you've got your eye on, and I do too, and that's Aaron Blanchfield against Taya Santos. And you can make the argument here with these two women, with their ascent right now, and you look at Blanchfield on a Tuesday, small favorite about dollar $1.35. What do you make of this flyweight matchup? Because it feels like right now in the in the flyweight division, these two women are going to, maybe the winner says, I'm next for the title shot.
2: Boy, I couldn't agree with that statement more. The, it, it, here's Santos, who is a violent, striking woman, but she really, she's wide telegraphing and comes in shin first because she has no real ambition to strike. She wants to wrap you up, get you down. And she ragdolled champion Shevchenko in her last fight. And from that fight, she looked, that was as good a fight as she could possibly have put on. And I think that could be affecting people to some degree now. Santos is the older woman, but only 30. So she's in her prime. It it really, I can see how people would think that the wrong person is favored here. Blanchfield's younger, less experienced. However, I think if, if Blanchfield can manage this fight into the second, keep it on its feet, the more it's on its feet, the more it favors Blanchfield, I think. I would be surprised if Blanchfield decides to go down with Santos early, but there's a reason Blanchfield is favored here. I think, though she's shorter, she's going to be the heavier, stockier woman, and I think she's the woman that if she can get it into the second round, she can do a little bit what Wiley did last week to Lamosh, and that is begin to dominate on her cardio.
1: That was the biggest su- surprise to me going back to that fight you're referencing with Li Zhang, the domination on the mat. When you see these prop numbers here, and again, it's juiced heavily to the over at minus 260 over two and a half rounds here, Lou. So the bookmakers are telling you, hey, we believe this thing's hitting the cards. If it goes the distance, you got to lay almost three to one minus 275 right now. Do you see finishing potential here? Because if it's a firefight, as you mentioned, and they stay standing, those KO prop numbers are pretty juicy. 12 to one on the Blanchett side, nine to one on the Santos side.
2: A great question. I can't answer. Here's what I want. I want to see him roll. That's what I. That's what I want to see. Here's what I think: when two great grapplers get together, they stare at each other in the mirror, and this is a stand-up fight. I'll lean Blanchfield decision in that manner. That's how I look at it at this early stage of the week.
1: I love it. It takes me back to say Colby Covington against Kamara Usman in their fights, where these two great wrestlers, and yet they were turned out to be striking battles because they didn't want to get down. On the ground in exchange. In the co-main event here, we've got uh, we get uh, Superman Span Ryan Span back in there against the Lionheart Anthony Smith. A very evenly aligned fight we're seeing here. Ryan Span's small favorite right now on a Tuesday minus dollar twenty-two. These two guys are clearly veterans uh, in the light heavyweight division. We know the power of Span. Does that mean that if you're Lionheart, you don't want to bang it out here with Ryan? You want to take this thing down to the ground? How do you see this co-main going?
2: Yeah, I, I see it as really one of the better fights. On the card now, it is a rematch. Smith won the first one, so now they spin it back again. But the circumstances are different. Smith hobbles in off, uh, you know, a couple of of losses where he hasn't looked terrific, albeit against dynamic opponents. Uh, Span, meanwhile, has really tried to overcome a very uneven career. Mm -hmm. And to me, uh, I'm I'm not even seeing totals yet. (laughs) I'd love to know the total in this fight. If it's two and a half. We can more, get you more. one and a half right now, Lou.
1: One and a half is juiced. Uh you can get plus money now. If you think it goes seven and a half plus, that is plus dollar fifty. The under right now is these are just coming out fresh off the presses, Lou. So we're putting you, you know, that immediate reaction that you get to at the under right now, heavily juiced at uh minus an hour eighty. So they're not expecting it to go long into that Singapore uh, morning for us.
2: Yeah, they aren't. And and I was hoping for two and a half because I I, I think I wanna like Smith in this fight. Uh, I think he's a little undervalued and perhaps Span overvalued at this perspective on a Tuesday. We'll have to wait and see what uh, transpires. But Span has more momentum, and Smith has to prove that he still belongs. So there's a lot of questions will be answered with this one. Well,
1: maybe the fight that I'm most intrigued by it's Giga Chikotse getting back in there against uh, Bruce Leroy and Alex Casares. And the reason why I'm so intrigued two, two fighters I backed. Uh, in the past and cashed a lot, right, back in the days when they were dogs. And we haven't seen uh, Giga in almost, what, two plus or two years here, right? And we've seen fighters like Chris Weidman last week come off off a three-year layoff. I did not think he looked necessarily sharp. I'm not saying that's going to be the same thing for Giga, but he is now a 245 favorite against a guy in Alex Caceres who feels like he's hitting his stride at 35. What do you see here?
2: Yeah, I I see the layoff for Chikadze, and the layoff came after he was completely had the brakes beat off of Mm. him by Calvin Cater in a standing war. And Chikadze showed his mettle, but I, I wonder what he lost. Anyway, he takes plenty of time off. Meanwhile, Caceres has had two grappling matches one against Pat Sabatini, and three fights where he's looked impressive since we've seen Chikadze. So the busier man's. Uh, Caceres. This fight opens Chikaze minus 175. He's been steamed. And I love that because it's creating great value on Caceres, who I'm now seeing plus 200. Uh, I can't really anticipate any trouble on the scale from Alex. I don't know about Chikadze, but at two to one, Alex is a buy for me, and I would buy that now.
1: I right, got about 45 seconds to go, Lou. Tell the people about the Bout Business podcast, what they get each and every Friday.
2: They get great advice on how to bet these UFC fights. We take creative approaches to profit. We're up about 20 units on the year, Ooh. and we'll drop sometime Friday early morning based on the obtuse hours by which this thing is going off.
1: Great use of obtuse. I mean it's just a f- it takes me back to Shawshank Redemption. There he is everybody, Lou uh the one and only. Always appreciate his insight each and every week. Just getting it started. Come on back. It is first strike here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. DraftKings Sportsbook gives you many ways to bet the UFC, not just the main event. They've got fight lines on total rounds and MMA futures and props galore. So just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Back here on First Strike, Dave Ross in Las Vegas. Let's go back out to the great city of Chicago. Enjoyed Zaid Hussein, who joins us for the first time uh, on First Strike. Zaid, great to have you on. Do great work at WCRX in Chicago. And, of course, at Props US, you can follow him as I do at Zaid underscore Hussein on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it now, Zaid. Hey, great to have you on, my friend. Let me get right to one of the fights that I'm most intrigued by on this card. And I think you have a similar fascination with the Aaron Blanchfield against Taya Santos fight. Because I look at these two women here, Zaid, and I said these are two women that could easily stake their claim to a title shot, whatever is going to happen with Alexa Grasso in the rematch. Uh, against the bullet Shevchenko, what do you make of this, which could be a very intriguing flyweight bout?
4: Yeah, 100%, and thank you for having me on. Uh, I think this is one of the most fascinating fights, honestly, of the year. You look at what Blanchfield has done, you know, in the division, just running through her opponents, and then Santos on the flip side, you know, against Shevchenko with a great, great performance. Some say she arguably won that fight. I think Blanchfield is, is the wrong side here, and I see a lot of people on that side. While she's run through everybody in the division, you know, she hasn't really fought in people that can, you know, defend a takedown like a Santos can and, and who's skilled enough on the ground to be able to fight off those takedowns and fight off of her back as well. I think Santos at plus 125 is is one of the better bets. And it's been hit by a lot of sharps in Vegas. Um, For example, I think when, when you look at Santos against Shevchenko and how she was able to defend off those hip tosses and take her down and take her back. And then look at what she's done on the striking side as well. She's going to give Blanchfield a lot of problems on the feet. And I think Blanchfield will struggle to get that takedown. And I think Santos will pick her apart from range.
1: Zay, do you look at it and say, okay, right now it's juiced it's heavily to the over, right? And we see that minus 260 for two and a half rounds. This is just potentially a three-round matchup here. That when you do have, I mean, it'd be fascinating to see them go down to the ground. We just had Lou Finnecaro on. He's talked about how much he'd like to see this fight hit the ground. Do you think it neutralizes each other? And that's why maybe Santos, with the hands, you give her the advantage if it does stay standing?
4: 100%. I think this does stay standing. And if it does hit the ground, Blanchfield is not going to be able to do what she's done to, you know, past opponents like Amali McCann or Jessica Andrade. Um, Overall, I think Santos has a cleaner boxing. Blanchfield tends to, when she throws strikes, you know, she doesn't take her head off the center line. And I think she's going to get clipped in this fight. And we saw it in her most recent outing. But it hasn't really been exposed as much because she's been so dominant on the ground and being able to take her opponents down. I think that's not the case on Saturday. And I really like the Santos side at plus money.
1: And say normally when you look at age, right, and normally you want to be on this side of, of youth, right? And so Blanchfield here is 24, but Santos is 30, which could be hitting maybe her MMA prime here. Do you actually look at it as an advantage? Because maybe, yes, Blanchfield feels like the next and she's got a lot of fight left in her at 24. Who knows what her career is going to look like. Is this too much too soon for her against a more experienced Santos at
4: this spot? Yeah, 100%. I think you hit it on the head. I think while Blanchfield is elite on the ground and has that wrestling advantage, I just think it's a really, really bad matchup for her. You know, I consider Shevchenko to be, you know, even though she's coming off that loss, the best fighter in the division. And what Santos was able to do is really eye-opening. And then you look at the Blanchfield side, it's just – She hasn't fought in that top, top, top level yet. And I think she's going to be doing it this weekend, and she's going to get exposed, sadly.
1: If we get somebody with a dynamic finish like we saw in the main event at UFC 292, maybe that woman can then say, all right, I'm waiting. And whoever wins in the rematch of Grasso and Shevchenko, I am next. Cannot wait to see that fight early in the morning in Singapore. Let's get to the main event here. And again, when you have a fight line the way it is with Max Holloway, 850 betting favorite over the Korean Zombie, Maybe there's other ways to attack it, right? And I, I get it. I, everything you look at, all the metrics, it's going to favor Max Holloway. But, you know, Max, even though he's 31 and five years, the junior of uh, the Korean Zombie here, he's been in a lot of wars in his UFC days, and so has the Korean Zombie. Is there any trepidation of, of I know people going to put Max in a lot of parlays here this week. How do you attack this main event when you see a, a number like this?
4: You know, for me, I think the biggest thing to do when attacking this main event is to look at late props for Holloway. I mean, we see Korean Zombie, obviously, 3-3 three and three in his last six fights. On his way out, you know, it was really tough to watch that last fight against Volkanovski, who just mm-hmm. really picked him apart. Um, I think this is a similar type of fight. And for people that think Max is the type of fighter that's slowing down, I mean, look what he just did to Arnold Allen. He went out there, he beat a young, up-and-coming prospect who was who's really legit. I like Holloway late. I don't think he has the power to put him out early. So if I'm going to attack this fight, I'm taking Holloway props very late. So maybe
1: 100%. maybe a fourth or fifth round finish is what you might look at.
4: Yes, one hundred percent.
1: Okay, so again, you're you're right. I mean, you, you look at this here with Max Holloway, and, and what's interesting here, say it is you, you look at the total rounds for the props, uh, two and a half, right? Now it's juiced heavily to the over, so I think you're leaning that way at minus two forty five. But if you want to look at Max inside the distance, you might be able to get that here at a dollar seventy today. Is that a, a way that you can shorten that price tag? Then you don't have to worry about necessarily whether or not it's going to happen inside of two and a half rounds. You can just take that carte blanche over five.
4: Do you like that prop better? I do, 100%. And I think this is kind of a statement fight for Holloway. It's, It's his last really run at the title. So if he's looking to make a statement and say, hey, I want to challenge for the belt again, he has to put the Korean zombie away. And I think he does do that Saturday. I think he looks to make that statement. He's going to outclass him on the feet. And, you know, it's just... It's sad to say, but like zombies on his way out at 36 years old, you know, Holloway's still able to compete with the top of the class, and I think uh, you have to play that plus 170 price tag, and, and and that's the best way to go.
1: Yeah, there it is. I'm with you there. If if Max is going to get back in there for one more shot, whether it's against Volk or or whomever. This is the type of fight he probably just doesn't want to win by decision. Something he'd want to get a stoppage and really put on a show to say, "Remember me." I don't think anybody's forgotten him. In the co-main event here, uh, you look at Reinhard uh, Smith against Superman Span, and this is a rematch now. Uh, and we know that Anthony got the better of Ryan the first time around, and yet he's going to find himself as a small dog here, plus a dollar two as we talk on a Tuesday
4: here. Uh, what do you make of the co-main here? You know, for me, I'm, I'm looking at. If you're playing either side, it's gonna come inside the distance. And you know, you mentioned this is a rematch. The first time these guys fought, uh, UFC Vegas, I believe thirty-seven, it was a slugfest, absolute slugfest. Both fighters are are aging and and kind of almost on their way out as well. I mean, Span Span has shown life, but this is kind of their last shot in the UFC to make a statement and make a kind of run. Both of them coming off losses. I think uh, Smith is the side with the cleaner boxing, like we saw in the previous fight, and Span kind of has that power that's you know he could put your lights out. But overall, if you're playing either side. I like it to end by knockout. I think, you know, Span lost by submission last time, but overall he he was getting hurt on the feet. They both hurt each other on the feet. Mm-hmm. I'm playing unders as well here. Um, I know it's probably juiced, but I like unders, and there's no way this fight goes a distance for me.
1: There it is. It's at one and a half right now, juiced heavily to that under. Say it to your point at minus a dollar eighty here inside. of of a round and a half in that co-main event. I got to ask you about a fight that I'm really intrigued by, and it's, again, two fighters that have been profitable for me uh, in the last couple of years. That's Giga Chikatse back after almost a two-year layoff here against uh, Bruce Leroy and Alex Caceres. And Caceres, you know, early on in his days, and I kind of looked at him as almost like a novelty fighter, not anymore. I mean, if we are not taking Alex Caceres seriously, I think we're kind of not valuing what he's done To be a real well-rounded mixed martial artist. Chikotse was really shining into that Calvin Cater fight. And now off the layoff, he's a
4: 245 favorite. Is there danger in this fight for Giga against uh, Alex? You know, I I don't think there's tons of danger. I just don't see a lot of value on the Giga side. Like, if you're going to lay at minus 240, it's kind of hard to justify. Because of, like, you know, you mentioned he hasn't fought since 2022. I think the beginning of 2022 Mm -hmm. is coming off a long layoff. Um... Gigo was on, I believe, a seven-fight win streak coming into that Calvin Cater fight, which which he lost. And overall, I think he is the cleaner striker, in the, and it's priced about right. I just don't – I don't like laying a minus 245 here. I think he probably wins a decision and and outclasses him on the feet, but I don't see him getting a finish here. Um, And I don't really justify laying the price tag of minus 245.
1: So if you don't want to – if you think that this is going to hit the cards, okay, for the fight to go the distance, by the way, it is a minus seventy right now. Would you look at uh, Giga here via decision? You can get that at even money if you don't want to lay that big-time price tag.
4: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's worth the play, uh, Giga even money. But overall, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Giga put him away, too. You know, he has that insane liver kick that he's put a lot of fighters away with. Um, I think he could make a statement. Overall, this isn't just a pass for me. I think this is a really exciting fight. Both fighters kind of have question marks coming in with the layoff and and I'm, I'm not interested in laying minus 245 here.
1: Yeah, I, and by the way, that's good advice as well. If you're not you – don't see a line, uh, whether it's you want to go for a prof or a decision, you can just pass. That's an easy way to go as well. I want to ask you about uh, any other fight on the card that you might like, but really Junior Taffa against Parker Porter. And sometimes you look at these kind of plodding heavyweights sometimes, and you go, all right, well, this one's not going to go the distance – uh, what do you make of the heavies here? Do you think that we're finally going to see heavyweights be heavyweights? And m- these guys aren't necessarily known for their one punch knockout power, but Taffa right now is a small favorite here. Mazda dollar 55, as we talk on a Tuesday.
4: Yeah. And and the fun fact is uh, Taffa's older brother actually finished Parker Porter um, <laughs> a couple of fights ago. So, you know, there's maybe he has a little bit of inside information for himself to, you know, get the victory. But um, this is a price tag I think should be priced closer to pick on Parker Porter and Taffa, uh, both. You know, I would say Porter leans with the experience, but both fighters kind of have a similar head to victory, similar fight style. They're both going to be boxing, and uh, I think this goes under. I think Tapa's probably the the of striker, but overall, I would mean Tapa maybe, but I, I wouldn't lay that head.
1: Said, really appreciate you joining us here on First Strike. When we come back, we're going to Washington, D.C. Reed Ku next here on First Strike. Start your morning with VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Josh Applebaum gives you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting today's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses line movements, injuries, and what you need to be looking at before you make your wager. So, make the VEASAN Daily Morning Bets podcast part of your morning routine. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. My morning routine consists of coffee, a couple push-ups, and then check out what my man, Reed Kuhn, is telling me before we get to the fights each and every week. And you should always follow Reed as I do at Fightnomics. Puts out some good nuggets like he's already done this week before we get to this card in Singapore. And Reed, uh, what what is your alarm clock going to do for Friday night, Saturday morning? Like, How in the world are you going to prepare for this, mentally and physically?
5: Hey, at least I'm on the East Coast, so it's not <laughs> quite as bad as you guys. I remember oh, being man. out And occasionally there were nights where I found myself waking up, looking at my phone, see if there were some results coming in. Uh, But no, I'll probably wait till the main card. I might get up early, make it a productive Saturday. We'll see.
1: Yeah, it's going to be early again. What is it? uh, 2.30 in the morning, Britton. Is that correct? Yeah, 2.30 in the morning here in Vegas for the start of this card. I'm terrible with time differences anyway, so this is going to be really dicey for yours truly. Rita, let's get to the main uh, event of said card. And again, we're not in the business of laying 850 favorites, like Max Holloway is uh, against the Korean zombie in this one. But I get, do the numbers support it? Because sometimes you'll tell me, and I think it's very interesting, most people are going to go, there's no way I'm going to get involved in a price tag like that. But sometimes you can even find value. I don't know if you do in this case where you say, yeah, the numbers do support it. Maybe you should be even a bigger favorite.
5: Yeah, basically, the numbers do support him as a huge favorite, but you're right. There's not a lot of value in just betting him straight up. You got to really throw a lot of your bankroll just to win a little bit. That, so that doesn't make sense. I think, obviously, people are going to be using him as a parlay leg, maybe looking for props uh, if, if you have a finishing angle. For me, it's tough because I line these guys up. The matchup doesn't really make sense, other than maybe out of respect, I guess, if the Korean zombie asked for this. But if you look at his trajectory over the last few years, really he he had this very long layoff when he was in the military. Mm-hmm. In the last ten years, he's only four and three, and two of uh, two of those four wins came against people who aren't even in the UFC anymore. So you got to ask yourself, what is he doing in the cage with one of the greats of all time at featherweight, Max Holloway, and also the dynamics? Uh, Chen Sung Jung will get into a punching war, and. He's called the zombie because he keeps coming forward and eating punches. Well, Max Holloway is one of those guys who will dish you punches over and over. He will pile up damage. Not exactly a one-hitter-quitter type fighter, but he will accumulate damage. And I do think a finish is possible. I just don't want to play too cute with the over-unders so it could be a situation where you make a single game parlay you know max holloway and an over 1.5 makes it a little bit more reasonable but still it's it's going to be one of these chalky parlay type fights
1: you know because reed i the, the brian ortega fight is the type of fight that you're describing that comes to mind for me right where he just it was it was ugly if you're on the ortega side that night right the beating that Max Holloway can put on you, and outside of Alexander Volkanovsky, you made the point this might be the greatest featherweight that we've ever seen. If if Alex Volkanovsky didn't exist, so is there anything that the numbers show you that the Koreans like for those that are going to say I I want to take a shot on this dog because he's too big a price? What would be the, the 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 method of victory there? Is it just a wild elbow, something we can't see because he can be a little reckless in times inside the octagon?
5: I think there is a point in a standard MMA line with two competent UFC caliber fighters that you just don't lay the juice because... What about a hidden injury? What about mm. the situation back home with Max Holloway? Is his head in the right place, suffering a natural disaster back there? Uh, you don't know if if he trips on the way in or if he had a bad <laughs> weight cut, got, got sick the night before. This is overseas. This is an unusual fight environment for him. There's lots of things that happen in MMA that can actually change the outcome of a fight, but we don't have visibility into that. So, looking purely at the numbers, yes, he should be a runaway favorite here. The only angle for victory where you could argue Korean Zombie. Is with a submission. He does have a good submission arsenal. He's one of the few guys ever to pull off a twister. And that was against Dustin Poirier in Virginia, by the way. I was at that fight. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, he does have that angle to victory. But Max Holloway, this is not going to be the first opponent who would rather take Max Holloway down. He has excellent takedown defense. He finds the fight, he finds a way to keep the fight on the feet. And he just crushes people over and over. And he'll even tell you how to do better mid-fight like he did against Brian Ritiga. Uh So that's why I just got to back Holloway here all the way. Um, but if you're really looking for that lottery ticket, maybe it's Korean Zombie by submission.
1: 16-1 to 1, if you think the Zombie you can get it down to the but what But what a great recall you had there back in Virginia. Going back to that one against the Diamond, Dustin Poirier. Okay, one fight that I'm really intrigued by, and and I've been looking at it all week going, you know, Giga Chikaze, we haven't seen him in forever. And I alluded to your tweets and you put out there some of these guys that we just haven't seen inside the octagon in a long, long time. He would be the longest for, for inactivity before this fight in Singapore. And yet, here he is, a 245 favorite over guy in Bruce Leroy, who, if you didn't take him seriously earlier in his MMA career, maybe you do now because he's looked like he's rounding into, into form even at 35. Are the numbers still supporting Giga here as a big almost 250 betting favorite?
5: do, but we're not seeing a lot of value. And so, yeah, I think Giga takes this, you know, the majority of the time, two out of three, three out of four, but that's also where the price is hovering, and so there's not a lot of value in that line. Um, I agree with you. Alex Caceres has kind of always been a quiet veteran guy who does well, then he gets put against someone a little too far. That's a stretch for him, and he doesn't perform. Uh, But he is good, and he is coming off of a win streak here, whereas Chikadze took his first loss uh, against Calvin cater. So, uh, but I also think that there's a difference in quality of opponents here. I mean, I think they've been fast tracking Giga to, or, or, you know, maybe fight for a title in the next year or two, mm. whereas Caceres is kind of riding out his career. I mean, he is getting a little bit older, both of them are the same age, but he is far more weathered and damaged than Giga is, and Caceres coming off such a short layoff, I mean, yeah, these guys are on different sides of the extremes here, but not. Want, neither of those is good. You don't want to take two years out of the cage or a year and a half. You also don't want to turn around in, two, in three months when you just went three rounds with someone getting hit in the head, and he's not at an age where he should be doing that, and so he has taken a lot of knockdowns, way more than Giga. And so that is a liability. And Giga definitely hits a lot harder. His knockdown rate is very high for that division, over 4%, uh, four times that of Caceres here. So I think he is a knockout threat, maybe not early on, but if he starts pouring on that damage, almost like Holloway, there's only so much a guy can take, a veteran especially.
1: Uh, I'm looking at a fight that maybe you're finding some data on on a Tuesday to find a little value with Michael Lowe, Olajaychuk, Chuck back in here against Chidi and Kwanu, uh Kwani rather. What do you make of Michael O. It's minus a dollar fifteen against Chidi, minus a dollar five. Chidi is a small favorite uh, here, or excuse me, small dog. What do you make of Michael O. Of minus a dollar fifteen on a Tuesday?
5: I do think there's some value here. Um, Michael has has done it longer you have seven knockdowns uh, to date, not a lot of takedown attempts, but then again, Chidi isn't taking you down either. I think these guys are going to swing and trade leather. I think someone's going down. It's just more likely to be the guy who's pushing 35, Who has been dropped already in his career, you know, it's shorter career in the UFC, but I think he's coming in a little bit later in his career, and Uh so I like McCall here. And I I actually think there's a little bit of value in that line. You know, it's it's not a it's a very affordable line, and who knows where it's gonna land on fight night. It could be basically a pick'em. And so based on that, I'm gonna take the the guy who has more fight time, more accurate striking, and bigger knockdown power. And that's Michael shook I'm gonna. Ola Jay Shuk. We'll,
1: we'll go Michael O. We, that's why we always go Michael O with Shook. But yes, I'm with you. I I
5: I you want know to and here <laughs> I'm struggling with another Polish name. Uh, exactly. But yeah, statistically, I think there's some value here.
1: Yeah, and again, we'll see where that ends up. But right now, pretty evenly aligned. Here could be a pick 'em before we get to uh, to Singapore on Friday evening, Saturday morning for us here stateside. Again, a couple fights here that are intriguing. Certainly veterans. In the co-main event here, don't know how much more we're going to see of Superman Span in Lionheart, uh, Anthony Smith inside the Octagon. Anthony won the first time around. Uh, Superman Span is a $1.22 favorite right now. Any leans on this one on a Tuesday?
5: So I think most people who take a quantitative approach probably have more than one. And so when I look at the models, there's more than one model, and sometimes they come out on different sides. And so sometimes you've heard me use the expression consensus. Um, I'm looking for picks where all the models agree where the value is. And this is one of those examples where they are disagreeing on who should win this fight. And and I get it because on one hand, uh, Anthony Smith did take that first fight. But if you look at them now, Ryan Spann is bigger. He's younger. He's a harder hitter by far. Um, he has decent, you know, offensive wrestling. I don't think he's going to want to take it there with Anthony Smith. I think he wants to stand and trade uh, with that 79-inch reach. And so I, I could see this going out of the way. I think it's Ryan Spann on the feet or it's Anthony Smith on the ground. Lionheart does like to you know, ride out that early storm and, and maybe get a submission late in the fight. But this is going to be a toss-up.
1: I'm going to give you 45 seconds for uh, Santos against Blanchfield here. And, again, you look at Talia against Aaron, and both these women could say, if I win, I get the next title shot. I'm intrigued by this fight. What are the numbers showing you? I know Blanchfield's only 24th, so maybe not a ton of data.
5: Not a ton of data, um, and I, this is another fight where I don't have a strong lean now. I'm going to wait to see where the prices go. I'm hoping I get a little bit more value on Santos here. Um, she is a little bit bigger. She hits very hard. She has three knockdowns, a five percent knockdown rate. That's extremely abnormal for that weight class. Uh, so she is the harder hitter. But Blanchfield, obviously, she also has a submission game. Santos also competent on the ground. So. I might lean Santos here. I'm going to wait to see where the prices go.
1: All right. Set that alarm clock a little bit earlier than usual. Reed Kuhn in Washington, D.C. Appreciate you. As always, when we come back, we're going to Boston with Dan Vreeland next here on First Strike.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
1: We roll on this edition of First Strike, shipping up to Boston to catch up with our guy, Daniel Vreeland. You can follow him on Twitter, as I do, at Gumby Vreeland. Dan, of course, is a great writer at Gambling Podcast, Cage Side Press, and host of Top Turtle MMA and SGPN MMA Pods. The hardest working man in MMA is Dan Vreeland. Uh, Dan, let's get to it. We love to ask you this question. First of all, before I ask you the fight you can't wait to watch and wager, what do you, how are you preparing the body for the time change to get up <laughs> to watch the first fights, as you know, we're going to do uh, with this fight card being in Singapore.
6: Yeah. I'm just extra thankful that I'm not on the West coast because you guys at 2am, that's some wild stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, lot, lots of coffee. There I'm a go. coffee guy. So lots of coffee. I'm right there with you.
1: Just, just fire up the, get it percolating a little bit earlier than usual. Okay. Let's get to this fight card here. And again, in the main event, when you got Max Holloway, arguably outside of Alexander Volkanovsky, the greatest featherweight of all time, Right until those those epic fights that he did not come out on the right side against. Now he's getting the Korean Zombie, and it feels like maybe this is the end. I don't. I, I'm not in the business of retiring fighters, but it, it does have that feel to it that you know we're in Singapore. Max loves to fight all over the world. We've seen that in Toronto. It doesn't matter where. So Max is like, sure, I'll fight the Zombie in Singapore. Are you laying the eight fifty, or do you think there's another way to approach this fight?
6: I think there's probably another way to approach this fight. You know, one of the things that you'll know about Max Holloway and, and you've seen time and time again, he's a volume guy, right? Like he's not a big power puncher. Those fights with Volkanovsky are obviously, you know, really good evidence for that. The fight with Gallicators is good evidence for that. The fight with Brian Ortega is really good evidence for that. The guy goes in there, he puts a pace on you. He batters you. He works faster. He's got better cardio. That's the stuff that he does. So yeah, no, I'm staying away from negative 850. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm—that's th- just an absurd kind of number. Um, you know, I think he should be a huge favorite in this fight. But I—I think if I'm looking for anything, I'm looking probably for overs. I'm looking for Max Holloway's by decision props. If you can find somewhere that allows you to bet significant strikes, he's gonna land 250 punches in this fight. So bet the over on whatever that number is. So like, you know, I, I'm kind of leaning that way. And and you'll know, you know, I'm seeing the number on the screen right now. The over is is. You got huge juice on it, but I think that's where the only value is. Yeah, two
1: forty-five. If you want to lay, uh, lay that price tag for over two and a half rounds, but it's much better than laying the eight fifty. If you think that the Korean zombie can be to his nickname and take the punishment that Max is going to dole out, is there any danger? Because I'm trying to find if anybody sees any danger. I mean, fluky things have happened, right? But what could the zombie do? Is it wrestle? Could he really say, "All right, Dan, I'm gonna"? I'm going to go there and I'm going to double leg take down this guy and try to take Max down to the
6: ground. Do you see a scenario there? No. So, you know, Zombies wrestling is underrated, right? Like his jujitsu is really good. He's got that twister submission on Leonard Garcia from way back in the day. And, and back in the day, like he, he did hit a bunch of knockouts, which is what we ma- made us all love him. But he kind of came up with a good wrestling and a good jujitsu game. With that being said, Max Holloway is damn near impossible to take down. The guy just doesn't get taken down because he has such great control of space, such great control of range. You're never in close to his legs all that often. So I don't see that. I mean, like if I'm drawing up a scenario for him to win, it's a lucky punch, right? And even then it's Max Holloway, like, who puts Max Holloway away? So yeah, I I think the only way that you, you play this one is you play overs or you play Holloway by the the cards.
1: All right. Now that we got through the main event, let's get back to the question that I should have asked you right off Mm -hmm. the top. What fight is the most intriguing to you? And then conversely, the one that you
6: really find the best value on here on a Tuesday. Caceres versus Chikadze is the one I'm most excited for. I've always been a big Giga Chikadze fan. I love the way that he kickboxes. I like that. They're giving him somebody in his return fight here after being away for as long as he has that's long and rangy like he is. I think that's going to give him a chance to see if he's, you know, still what we thought he was when he was making that run through the division before he ran into Calvin Cater. Uh, I think that that's a really exciting fight for value. I'm finding tons of value on Chidi Njikawani. He's fighting Michael Oleshezak. Oleshezak is a guy who's there to be hit and Chidi Njikawani almost had Gregory Robocop Rodriguez out of Mm -hmm. there before that comeback. So you know, I think Ejikawani is a guy who people sleep on how good his kickboxing is. And, and I'm seeing him almost at even money right now. I thought when I saw that fight announced, he would be a big favorite in this fight. So seeing him that low, I mean, even on the money line, but if you can find a KO prop too, that's probably in play as well. My, just minus a dollar two against
1: Michael O here. Michael O on a Tuesday, minus dollar 18. I got to get back. To the Giga Chikatze fight, because I'm right there with you. Like that, the Blanchfield Santos fight that we'll talk about here as well. Those are the two, two most intriguing to me. I love Giga. I love the, the ascent of Bruce Leroy, the way he's now a respected mixed martial artist, right? Not a guy that's just going in there for crazy kicks and what have you. Is there any danger there that because Caceres has now, how do I say this? It's almost like he's educated himself inside the octagon, right? Could he be too hard to hit for for Giga? And if you don't take Caceres down and stay standing, that could be an intriguing 15 minutes potentially.
6: Yeah, and you could almost say the exact same thing about Giga Chikadze, right? Like if you don't take him down, where do you beat him? Because his, he is so good in range and stuff like that. And and that's what makes this fight so exciting for me is I think they do a lot of the same things. I think the difference maker here for me and why I'm on Giga Chikadze is I just think because he's come up in kickboxing, because he came from that background, his control of angles is just a little bit better. His control of range is just a little bit better. His control of where he's placing his punches is just a little bit better than Caceres. And I do like Caceres. I think he's probably got a jujitsu advantage and a small wrestling advantage. I just don't think the fight is ever going to go there. So I'm leaning ever so slightly with Chikadze. um, And it's just because I think he's ever so slightly more nuanced on the feet.
1: Great breakdown. I cannot wait for that fight. And I mentioned earlier, I, I can't wait for the Aaron Blanchfield I'll tell you, Santos' fight. And again, I'll be curious to see where this number goes, uh, Dan, before we get there to Friday morning, Saturday morning, however you want to phrase it. Uh, what do you make of, of Blanche Field here now? She's 24, right? She feels like the star is really in the rise, but so is Santos. I mean, in, in losing to Shevchenko, some might say maybe she won that fight. I mean, that's what we're talking about now in the flyweight division, and, and I have to assume the winner of this fight is going to get the title
6: shot against the winner of Grasso and Shevchenko in their rematch. Yeah, well, as long as that one doesn't wind up in a trilogy, which would be a nightmare for the winner of this fight, right? <laughs> if Shevchenko wins that and we wind up having to do three. But yeah, I, I agree with you. This is so intriguing for a number of reasons. Obviously, this is probably the best pure grappler that Aaron Blanchield has fought um, in her professional career, for that matter, not even just in the UFC. But I think that I favor her in terms of how well she wrestles and how offensive she is, because while Talia Santos is a really good grappler, and we saw really good stuff out of her against Valentina Shevchenko. In fact, that's why some people thought she won that fight. She also concedes quite a few takedowns. Like, if you go back across her career, and it's less so lately, but if you go back across her career, you know, she conceded a couple of takedowns to Romero Borrello, who wasn't, you know, nobody really particularly thought is all that good of a wrestler. She did spend almost five minutes on her back against Valentina Shevchenko. Like, and she hasn't really faced like a big, tough, offensive wrestling machine, like Aaron Blanchfield is somebody who's got, you know, heavy hips when she is on top, you know, Shevchenko is good on top, but at the same time, we all know Valentina Shevchenko for her striking. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's faced somebody like Blanchfield, somebody like Blanchfield, who is not easy to get off of you when she is on top. And I don't know that she's faced anybody with the submission skills, because again, Valentina Shashanko, great on top. We've seen her finish people from, you know, Mounted Crucifix and stuff like that, but it's with her hands. Uh, And and really, Aaron Blanchfield has some of the best jujitsu in all of MMA right now. And I think really that's the difference maker for me is I I think she's just going to be in enough offensive positions and she's gonna threaten enough and stay on top enough that I I think she's gonna wind up being ahead on the judges' scorecards early. I do really wish this was a five-round fight, though. I wish we could see what would happen in the later rounds. Because really that's all I'm really missing on wondering what is the ceiling for Aaron Blanchfield. Well, and that you led me right to where I wanted
1: to go with my next question, which was you're looking at the total, juiced heavily. You gotta lay two sixty to go over two and a half rounds without picking a winner, you can play minus two seventy five for the fight to hit the cards for all three. A five round fight, we might get to some finishing potential. Because it's fifteen minutes to work. Do you think that they're gonna that they're gonna almost have a stalemate there? And that's
6: why we don't really have a lot of finishing potential for either woman? I think there is, but I will say the the number being as skewed as it is, I think there is value on the under there. I think there's a chance Aaron Blanchfield goes in there and gets her out of there. Um, you know, like she is such a good finisher when she's after it. You know, and she she finished Jessica Andrage, she finished Molly McCann, which turned out to be a little easier than we thought it was. <laughs> but the, the fact of the matter is, is she goes in there and she's finished people her last couple of times out there and she knows what's at stake. Um and she seems to push for the finish more when she knows what's at stake. So I, I would say. With the line on the under being, you know, two to one at this point in Mm -hmm. time, you know, there's probably value there. And if you wanted to play Blanchfield by submission, the the, the number is high enough there that a sprinkle isn't going to kill you either.
1: Plus 425 if you like Blanchfield via the sub, the overs, as Dan alluded to there, two to one if you want to play the under without picking a winner under two and a half rounds. Got about 30 seconds to
6: go. Were you doing hits uh, overseas like in France and across the world? What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, well you know, we've got a card coming up in uh, in Paris, so I've got a couple of fighters, uh, one from Paris and one from Venice, who will be on the Top Turtle MMA podcast in the coming week.
1: That is a great plug, my friend. Oui, oui, bonjour, all those good things over there <laughs> in France. Dan, appreciate you as always, my friend. Get up early and everybody get up early. Watch those fights. Cash some tickets and we'll see you next week right back here it's First Strike on Visa and the Sports Betting Network.
0: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we. I'm Tori Deal and I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over guys. All Stars 4 is